Father, we pray this time would be a time but your spirit really accomplishes really what you want, the highest possible purposes for each of our lives. And we pray, Lord, that we would have some we'd have an understanding of how you work, that we would not be easily disillusioned or brought into unbelief. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there was this guy, and he lived in Jerusalem. And he went to the Western Wall to pray twice a day for 60 years. And there was a reporter in Jerusalem that heard about him, that every, every day, twice a day, he was there for those 60 years praying. So she wanted to go interview him. So she showed up at the Western Wall in Jerusalem, and sure enough, there he was praying. And as she saw him praying, she waited till he's finished, and then he, as he walked out, she, she approached him and said, I'm Rebecca Stein from the Jerusalem Post, and I heard you've been coming here for the last 60 years. She said, that is just amazing. What do you pray for? And he said, well, I pray for peace between Christians and Jews and Muslims. I pray for the hatred to stop. I pray that our children would be able to uh, play together safely and have friendships. And she said, well, how do you feel after doing that for the last 60 years? He said, I feel like I'm talking to a wall. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way in your prayer life? Have you ever felt like you just not seem like you're just not getting through to God? You've prayed about something for years, something that greatly matters to you, and it seems like God doesn't hear or God doesn't care, but he sure is not answering your heartfelt cry. Maybe even you prayed according to the word of God, you prayed with faith, you prayed with fervency, you prayed in agreement with other believers, you prayed with persistence, and still God has not answered your prayer. So what do you conclude in times like that? What do you, how, do you, how do you process that? in your thoughts about God and how he works. Well, today I want to talk, I want us to take a look at a prayer in the Bible that is prayed persistently, fervently, and with faith, and yet seems to go unanswered. The prayer I'm talking about is prayed in Psalm 22. Psalm 22. You know, there's many psalms that praise God for answered prayer, but this psalm seems to be one prayer that God doesn't seem to answer, or does he? You know, many of us can think of someone in our lives who we know who is really a righteous person, yet they are suffering, and they have pleaded with God for relief, and God has not answered their prayer. On Psalm 22, we have a prayer, a prayer of just anguish asking for relief, for God to intervene. Now, the prayer is prayed by King David, and he prays his prayer about a thousand years now before the time of Christ. The prayer is clearly and simply a prayer for deliverance. It is a prayer for deliverance from intense suffering. 
And it's a prayer, as you read the psalm, a prayer that God does not seem to be answering. Now, what makes this a clear example of a righteous man praying is that this psalm actually is typological about Jesus Christ when he prayed to be delivered from death, death on the cross. Now, what do we mean by typology? What do we mean by a typological prayer? What we mean is that this prayer is prayed by David, King David, and is prayed at his time when his situation, and it's true of him. But also this prayer is prophetic of Jesus Christ some thousand years later. The psalm is true of David when he wrote it, but it is prophetic of Jesus Christ a thousand years later. Acts chapter 2, verse 30 says this. It informs us that David, it says, being therefore a prophet, foresaw and spoke of Christ. So 1,000 years before Jesus Christ is born, King David actually writes about his crucifixion, writes about the specifics of what happens leading up to the cross and on the cross. If you study, if you take time to study Psalm 22, it really is an amazing psalm. So I want us to take a look at it for a moment and see that though this psalm is true of David and what he was going through at the time in which he wrote it, it is ultimately true of Jesus Christ and what he goes through some thousand years later when he dies on the cross. <clears throat> so let's walk through it. I want you to see. Notice Psalm 22, verse 1 starts off. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, of course, this is what David is praying but this is also true of what Christ will pray when he is hanging on the cross and he alone is bearing the sins of the world upon himself. Psalm, I mean, Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, it says this. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus is actually saying the same prayer that David prayed. He says it now a thousand years later of his situation. David felt forsaken. Jesus feels forsaken. And he quotes Psalm 22, verse 1. But there's more. Psalm 22, verse 7. David, again, is speaking of his situation. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip and they wag the head, saying. Now Luke 23, verse 35, in reference to Christ. And the people stood by looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. Also in Matthew 27, 39 and 40. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him and wagging their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. So again, we see what was true of David and what he prayed, what he's experienced with his onlookers. Jesus also experiences the same. 
on the cross. There's more. Psalm 22, verse 8. This is true of David. They said this of him. Commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. With sarcasm. Matthew 27, verse 43. It says of Christ, of those who spoke around the cross. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he delights in him. For he said, I am the son of God. I mean, it is amazing when you think about it that the Jews taunting Jesus on the cross, saying that he isn't the Messiah, and in doing so, they use the exact words of Psalm 22 that prove he is the Messiah. Well, there's more. Psalm 22, verse 12, King David's experience he lays out this picture for us. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Basham have encircled me. Talking about his insensitive bully persecutors. Now remember, Jesus, of course, had these Roman soldiers surrounding him and mocking him as well. Psalm 22, verse 13 goes on. David says, they open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. And of Jesus, Matthew 27, verse 29 of the Romans says, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. So once again, we see what David experienced now a thousand years later. Jesus is experiencing even in an exponential way. Psalm 22, verse 14, David says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. And now David is about to describe what he's going through, and he's going to speak in some terminology that probably has some hyperbole in it and what he's going through, but it is going to literally describe what Jesus goes through on the cross. Psalm 22, verse 15, my strength is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue cleaves to my jaw of Jesus, John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scriptures, said, I am thirsty. Psalm 22, verse 16, for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Matthew 27, verse 35, of Jesus, they crucified him. Remember what Thomas said in John 20, verse 25? He said, unless I see in his hands the imprints of the nails. In other words, unless I see he was pierced through. Psalm 27, verse, I'm sorry, Psalm 22, verse 17. David says of himself, I can count all my bones. They look at me, they stare at me. Of Jesus, Luke 23, 35. And the people stood by looking on. John 19, 33. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. All of his bones were intact. Psalm 22, verse 18 of David. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Of Jesus, Matthew 27, verse 35, they divided up my garments among themselves, casting lots. 
So this psalm prophetically describes the experiences that Jesus is going to go through a thousand years later before it happens and describes it exactly as it happens, happened. And one of the things, now with that in mind, one of the things that happens in Psalm 22 is that David prays a prayer. He prays a prayer, and then and this says the same prayer Jesus is going to pray on the cross. It's a prayer that God the Father does not seem to answer for David. He feels forsaken. It's a prayer that Jesus also, he uses because he feels forsaken. It's a prayer that as we read through the psalm, doesn't seem like it's getting answered. Or does it? Let's look at the prayer. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. So because there is no answer, it appears that God has forsaken them. David feels it, Jesus feels it. Even though they cry out night and day. It goes on. Psalm 22, verse 3 through 5. Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. So because God answered the prayers of their spiritual forefathers... David's convinced, he's convinced that God, since you're holy, I know you're going to respond. Just like you responded to my forefathers. I'm convinced you will. Even though I'm not seeing it, I'm convinced you will. David prays that. He's convinced Jesus prays it. He's convinced of the same. Psalm 22, verse 19 through 21. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword, my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You answer me. I mean, this is clearly a prayer for deliverance. This is clearly a prayer to be delivered from dying at the hands of these oppressors in both cases. David prayed it, and Jesus prayed it. This is not a prayer to be delivered out of or after death. This is a prayer to be delivered from before death. So Jesus prays. Remember, he said he prayed that, he, that the Father would save him from this hour, this hour of death, that Abba would remove this cup from him. Remember those two passages? John 12, 27. Let's look at it. Jesus says, Now my soul has become troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. This is his struggle. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Matthew 26, 39, he went a little bit beyond them. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup 
the cup of drinking the wrath of God for the sins of the world. Let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Now, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews helps us here. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 records that God heard Jesus' prayer. In other words, that to say he heard his prayer is convinced he answered, he's going to answer it. Hebrews 5, verse 7, let's look what it says. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. This is talking about Jesus Christ on the cross. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. Listen now. And he was heard because of his piety. This is important. He was heard because of his piety. So this seems to harmonize with David's experience because David was heard and delivered. It says that Jesus was also heard. God heard his prayer. Now, the rest of Psalm 22, David is going to praise God for answering his prayer for deliverance. Let's read it. Psalm 22, verse 22, I will tell of your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised nor have heard the affliction of the afflicted. I felt that way, but no, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. Neither has he hidden his face from him, but when he cried for help, he heard. He is praising God for answering his prayer. That's David. It's very clear that God heard David's prayer and delivered him. That's clear in Psalm 22. But what about Jesus? Did God hear Jesus' prayer and deliver him? Jesus dies on the cross. If Jesus prayed to be delivered from death and his prayer was answered, then how is it possible if he died? So apparently his prayer goes unanswered. Yet, the second half of Psalm 22 is praise for deliverance from death. It's David's praise, for sure, to be sure. But according to Hebrews chapter 2 now, verse 12, it's also the praise of Jesus as well. Look at this. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, saying, this is a quote from Psalm 22, and it is a quote attributed now to Jesus saying this. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 2, verse 12, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praises. This is a quote from Psalm 22. This is how David praises God for his deliverance. Yet here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, it's Jesus praising God for his deliverance. But Jesus died on the cross. How does God deliver him? All right, again, Psalm 22, David is the righteous man suffering at the hands of wicked enemies who are about to put him to death. 
He prays earnestly for deliverance, but there seems to be no answer. He feels forsaken. He, seems, he feels just like God has forgotten him. Then suddenly in the midst of Psalm 22, somehow the Lord breaks through and delivers him. And then the psalm changes. It changes, and then from this painful lament of feeling forsaken to resounding praise to God who has not ignored my prayer. And then he goes on, David goes on to say that when future generations hear of this great deliverance, they're going to want to serve the Lord too. But with Jesus, the resolution is different. He prayed to be delivered from death, but he died. Nevertheless, the text says that his prayer is answered. His prayer was answered. He praises and he praises God for answering his prayer. And he quotes Psalm 22 in Hebrews 2, verse 12, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. He quotes that. How can he do that if he's dead? The only way for him to be able to do that is if after he died, he was resurrected, which, of course, is what happens. So follow me now. So between this lament of feeling forsaken on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Between that moment of Psalm 22, verse 1, and the praise for God, the Father's deliverance at the end of Psalm 22. Between those two moments, what happens? Jesus is resurrected from the dead. So he can go tell his brethren of his deliverance. So Jesus was not delivered from dying as he prayed, but from death, which he experienced. Now follow this. This is really important. Therefore, it may be stated that the prayer of our Lord Jesus was answered in a different way and at a different time than that for which he prayed. His prayer was answered at a different time. He prayed to be delivered by God on Good Friday. But he was delivered on Sunday morning. The resurrection is answered in a different time, is also answered in a different way. He prayed to be delivered from dying, but he was delivered after he died, and it was a deliverance from death. But his prayer was not just answered in a different time, it was answered in a better time. It was answered after the work of redemption was accomplished. That's a better time. And it was answered in a better way. He was delivered from mortal flesh to immortal flesh. If he had been delivered from dying, he would just still have to face death later. So we really got to get this truth in this prayer series. We really got to get this and know this. If it is true of the Son of God, that at times his prayer was answered in a different way and at a different time than he prayed it, how much more will this be true for us in our lives? 
Our prayer may be answered at a different time in a different way because according to Romans 8.26, we do not know how to pray as we ought. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should. And our prayer may be answered at a better time and in a better way because according to Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think. Let's read Ephesians 3.20 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, some of you drove up and you noticed this construction project going on next door to us. It's a massive project. It's going to be apartment complexes. Hundreds of people will be living right next door to us. When this project was first uh, presented to us, they needed to get a zoning variance. And I, I and some of our elders, we couldn't really see how that project was going to be, you know, having all these people living right next door to us. We're concerned about the safety of our children. There's so many children moving around on this property. We had concerns about that. And so we went to the variance the variance. Uh, you know, meeting to see if, uh, you know, we could stop the project. In fact, we were praying that this project wouldn't happen. Now, as a result of that meeting, the zoning board meeting, the owner of this project and the architect and their team wanted to meet with us. And they presented, they sat down and presented us the plans, and, and we sat on a, in, a, in my office on a table, and we said, in order for this to be safe for our children, because we want the people here. We'd love to have hundreds of people that could just walk here to church. We want that, but at the same time, we want it to be safe. So we're really praying. We, we didn't think it could be safe, so we're praying the project doesn't happen. We let, they let, anyways, the architect lays out the plans before us, and we sat there, and we changed the entire layout of the property. Everything we, everything we suggested, move this building here, change it here, do this, that, they did it all. They changed the entire project to our satisfaction Everything, every single thing we asked. And so we now have the safety that we want, and yet we also have the people that will be moving here. And so what had happened was, is God answered our prayer in a different way than we expected, a better way than we expected. There's so many, we can all think of so many times that God has done that. Psalm 22 informs us that God will answer those who pray earnestly to him for deliverance. He will, but the answer may come at a better time and in a better way than the way we prayed it. Therefore, it's so important that we continue to persevere in what we think is unanswered prayer because we do not see the whole picture God does. You know, when, and this is one of my favorite stories. I've shared it with you a couple times. When the English General Wellington met Napoleon at Waterloo, the news of the outcome of the battle had to be flashed across the English Channel by lights on boats. The message came, Wellington defeated, and a fog set over the English Channel. That's all they saw in England. Wellington defeated. Oh, no, their generals defeated. What happened? What happened is gloom settled over England. And then the fog lifted and they saw the whole message. Wellington defeated the enemy. And then joy flooded England. See, here's the truth. The truth is today we live in a fog and we cannot see the finished message yet. 
It takes faith and perseverance to avoid despair in the face of unanswered prayer. And some of you need to know that this, and I'm speaking to myself, or God has not ignored your prayer. God has not ignored your prayer. He is just going to answer it in a different way, in a different time, and it's going to be a better way in a better time. You know, this week, we lost a really special man, Dennis Carroll, who's part of a Mexico ministry for decades, living in Del Rio, went to be with the Lord. And as I was just thinking about his life and all the times we had together down there doing ministry with the poor, with the orphans, with these unwed uh, pregnant women he was taking in a home across the border and being able to help them have their, have their child. And, and all the times that we prayed something a certain way and all the times that God answered it a better way. I mean, I could go on and on with stories of how we've done that. The truth is, I've just, you know, God does that because he sees the whole picture. See, today we live in a fog. We all live in a fog. We cannot see the finished message. And it's going to take faith and perseverance to avoid despair in the face of what seems like unanswered prayer. It's going to take faith to say, no, God, I know how you are. I know what it looks like, but I know. I know, Lord. If you're not answering the way that I thought, it's, you're going to somehow do it a better way. And believe in him for this. Hopefully when you came in, you received these, this uh, Come one hour every week to pray on the walls here at GCC. This is uh, an opportunity for you to sign up. Again, I'm calling us all back to pray in one hour a week in our, in our house of prayer. I know it's inconvenient, but we're willing to come up here and pray. And I'm asking you to get that out and, to, and find your time. You can tear it off, write your time in there, tear it off and put it in the offering box on the way out. Also, those of you that are in our college ministry at the Cornerstone, we also have a, 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 a house of prayer at the Cornerstone that you can fill out and tear off and, and make sure that you, you know, give us that as well so we can organize that. But we're calling everybody back to this. There was a time we had 500 adults praying one hour a week in our, in our Grace House of Prayer, and I think that number's way down from there. So I'm asking everybody once again to pick it back up and persevere and believe God is going to answer as we persevere in prayer. I want to point out one last thing before we close, and that is, when Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he is sweating drops of blood and, he is, and he's already feeling the forsakenness of what he is facing, what does God the Father do in the meantime? If God's going to answer in a better way, in a better time, but in the meantime, what do you need? You need some strength to make it till that better time and better way. And here's what God the Father does in Luke 22, verse 43. It's so beautiful. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, to Christ, strengthening him. And that's what some of us in this room, some of us online need today. We're believing God. Once again, pick it back up. Throw, cast off the unbelief. Believe him again for an answer. Trust him again. He's going to come through. But in the meantime, we need to be strengthened. So let's stand, if you would, to stand together. And I want to lead us in a prayer to that end. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. Oh, Lord, and even though there's times we feel forsaken and forgotten that you don't hear, that you don't care, Lord, we know that is not what you're like, that you do hear, that you are faithful, that you, if you're answering in a different time, it's a better time. If you're answering a different way, it's a better way. And we trust you again. We just, we just pick up our confidence and trust in you again. 
And Lord, would you also know that right now there's many of us that just need to be strengthened. And so, Father, I'm asking you, just as you release an angel to strengthen Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you're the same today, yesterday, and forever. Would you release angels even now in this room and online and all those living rooms? Would you, would you release angels to strengthen those of us, Lord, that just don't know how much longer we can go waiting? Would you release, let them come, Lord, just release the angels, just dispatch them with a word from your throne, just dispatch them and let them come and do that strengthening work. And we receive it, Lord. We know, we know that you're glad to do this. We receive it. Strengthen every man, woman, young person in this room and on, in every bedroom and living room online, Lord, strengthen us. And Lord, I pray this week we'd find ourselves once again taking on that mantle of persisting in prayer for that thing that we've prayed for so, for so long, knowing that, okay, Lord, I guess you got a better time. You got a better way, and I trust you. Lord, you use us this week to be light uh, wherever we are and to shatter the darkness. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.